Hello, friends. It's Jim Nance, and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the player swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, Jim Nance, thank you for the introduction there. And I've got Andrew Putnam, PGA Tour winner here on the pod this week. 31 years old, and he's going to be playing his first Masters coming right up here. So really exciting stuff. Of course, his wife, Tawny, just had their second born, Paxley, their son. So a lot going on at home right now. So he's got to be away as he gets to the Masters. But still, a lot to look forward to. This is a tournament he grew up watching since age 10. He remembers a lot of big events. We're going to get into this interview here with Andrew in just a minute. Before we do that, we're going to talk about Encore Golf, some really good golf balls they produce here. The Vero X1 is a kind of their tour ball. I've been playing with that recently. Really low spin off the driver. And that's, trust me, I need that low spin. I hit a lot of side spin, a lot of back spin on it. So it helps higher launch off the tee. That helps me a lot. So I've added about seven, eight yards, and that makes a big difference, I think, throughout the bag. Uh, setting up my second shots four piece design for great wedge control around the greens and so for me chipping it's huge like chipping is probably one of my biggest strengths but to have a little bit of spin a little, little more spin from what i'm used to helps with control and getting it nice and close on some of those chip shots so i would encourage you to check out encore golf go to their website encoregolf.com and check out their balls they've been rated by golf digest on the gold list as well so Check them out. A lot to look forward to there um, as you check out Encore Golf. So without further ado, I'm going to get to our interview here with Andrew Putnam, PGA Tour winner, right here on Beyond the Clubhouse. My next guest here is going to be playing his first Masters coming up, Andrew Putnam. PGA Tour winner, won the Barracuda Championship a couple years back. What's going on this morning, Andrew? How are you? Doing great. I'm just here in uh, Bermuda, getting ready to play tournament, and... Uh... Yeah, I got some time to kill, so glad to be on. Well, you actually posted on Instagram, tons of rain, tons of wind in Bermuda. But, dude, you're a Seattle guy. You're used to the rain. What gives? <laughs> I know, right? No, that was a little storm that came through. It's actually pretty nice right now. It's sunny. Uh, but that was my my first uh, little glimpse at Bermuda when I woke up. It was it was the downpour and stormy. and um, But, yeah, hey, I'm used to it, being from the Northwest. Well, you're going to play your first Masters coming up. And I'm curious, how would you describe the emotions you felt when you realized you're qualified during your very first Masters? Yeah, I was, you know, ecstatic. I, uh, I came close the year before. I was, I forget exactly what I was ranked, but I was just outside the top 50 number. And that's always kind of been the goal of mine is to get in the, the Masters. Um, you know, my, I've never been kind of refused ever trying to go and, and watch just because I wanted to wait until I qualified. So, you know, for any golfer, I think that's one of their, you know, a big milestone and goal is to get to Augusta and to be able to experience that, um, that place in person. So um, I was thrilled when I got in. Who were some of the people you talked to first when you, when you realized you were qualified? Did you get on the phone with relatives, friends, or? I mean, 
my dad had been tracking it for years. <laughs> he, knew, he knew exactly where I was at in the rankings, exactly when the cutoffs were. I mean, he had never been. And, you know, as a father of two PGA Tour professionals, that was kind of um, high on his list of things to do. Uh, obviously, my cousin Greg had been there um, a couple times. And uh, I'd say there was a little bit of jealousy with my dad because Greg and his parents and all of them got to experience Augusta before my dad did, you know, as a great caddy in there. <clears throat> so my dad definitely was texting me a lot about, you know, the rankings and keeping me up to date on all that. I tried to just not think about it because, you know, at the end of the day, I couldn't control a lot of what was going on. So, but he was definitely paying attention. Well, you mentioned Greg. That's Greg Bodine, who who was caddying at the time for Tony Finau in those last couple Masters. Um, what an experience they had! Final pairing at Augusta. Did you watch a little bit of that on TV? Seeing Greg there in that final pairing, caddying. Oh yeah, no, I watched like every shot of it. I mean, you know, final round, Tiger Woods in the final group. As a golf fan, you know, as a golfer, that it doesn't get much better. So. I was glued to the TV and uh, obviously I'll be picking Greg's brain a little bit this week while we're staying together. He actually, he brought, he brought his master's, uh, I don't know if you can see his master's yardage book for me <clears throat> to give me a little insight before I head there. So um, it'll be fun to get his, his take. Was that pretty wild though, seeing your cousin there in that final group with Tiger, that final, just one of the greatest majors we've ever seen really unfold there on that Sunday last year. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but on uh, hole 16, Tiger, I think Tiger hit a pretty good shot in there and, and they panned to Tiger's face, you know, and it's on national television. And then all of a sudden you see Greg, like he slips in the camera and he blocks Tiger Woods and he got, you know, he was the face of NBC, whatever the, whatever the coverage was for like 30 seconds. It was just Greg's face blocking Tiger Woods out. <laughs> live on cbs sunday at the masters yes yeah it was just like the craziest thing you're like what how did this happen you know it's just it was pretty surreal did you text him much afterwards just talk to, to him about the experience you guys yeah we text a little bit back and forth but i mean obviously we we see each other a lot so talk about it in person so what are you thinking going in andrew uh, just as your game how does your you feel like your game matches up to augusta national as we look ahead yeah, I feel like um, yeah, my game's been trending in the right direction. I struggled a little bit through some injuries um, the last few months. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm obviously a great putter, and those greens are, are you know, the biggest challenge out there is, is getting those greens dialed in. And and so I think it, it plays my strength in that aspect. Um, but, you know, I've never been there, so I don't, I don't really know how the course is going to match up fully with with where I'm at I mean you see it on TV and I've, I've always heard that in person it's so much different so I'm just excited to get there and curious to see what it looks like well that's another thing I'm curious having not been there will you get a chance to play at least a round or two before Masters week itself you know I won't be able to um had a lot going on you know obviously birth of our our second child this last week and I'm just going to be playing every week going up to it. And so <clears throat> course was shut down, obviously during the summer for overseed, they, they kind of shut the whole thing down and didn't really give me much of a chance to go play before. So I'm going to be going in there with fresh eyes and 
going to see what it's like that week. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned your son, Paxley. We'll get to him and some of your family here in just a little bit. But as we get into Augusta and looking towards it, um, you're putting, obviously, on the screens. Have you gotten much advice from other putters, other good players going into Augusta National? Have you been able to pick the brains of other guys? You know, not yet. I haven't really really got there yet. Um, I'm sure this week and next week I'll be – trying to talk to some guys who played there and, and kind of get their take. Um, you know, we, we've had so many, I played the U S open a couple weeks, you know, a month ago or whatever. So it's like, you're always getting ready for this next big event. And so I haven't really had time to, to let it sink in that the masters is here, you know, in two weeks. So um, definitely this week, you know, talk to Greg just to get his input on, on some of the things, but um, yeah, not, I haven't really got a lot of, a lot of info or insight yet from anyone that uh, any of the great putters out there um, be looking to do that soon. Well, there's obviously Andrew Putnam, the player, then there's Andrew Putnam, the Masters fan. So as mm-hmm. the Masters fan, what will you be planning to do first or to see first at Augusta, like a certain part of the course, a certain section? Yeah, I mean, I think just getting to the amen corner, I think obviously watching that so many times on TV it'll be pretty special to, to get there, play those, those few holes and uh, kind of see how they see how the wind swirls and all the craziness that happens on those holes. Um, so, and then, you know, just driving through the, you know, Magnolia lane, it's like everyone talks about that um, leading right into the, the club that will be pretty special. Well, we, we think about Augusta national and you said you've, you've watched it so many times over the years. How many years have you been watching the masters on TV and would you have watch parties or what would you do? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like every, you know, ever since I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old, I've been that week. I've always watched the masters, you know, and there's been so many great finishes. Um, I can remember watching, you know, Phil Nicholson get his first win. I, I, I mean, every single, every single Masters, you, you kind of remember. It's just uh, it's one of those special weeks every year. And so pretty surreal that I get to go there and, and experience it. There was never like a big get-together watch party. I was always pretty busy working on my game, playing and practicing. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't just dedicate the whole week to watching, watching guys. I was getting ready for my own tournaments that I was playing. But, um, I mean, I can remember, I, was, I, I think every Sunday – of the masters I'd, I'd probably take those days off and, and watch the whole thing. And, um, you know, I would say if my brother was, was playing in it, we would have done something like that, but, um, I'm the first Putnam to be there. So. Yeah, you're right. Obviously, um, your older brother, Michael Putnam played in a couple majors, but never made it to the masters. Have you been able to jab him a little bit as you get ready to, as you said, <laughs> be the first Putnam? You know, I haven't too much. I mean, he's he's kind of <laughs> on a cold streak. He hasn't played a whole lot. He's kind of had a back injury, so I've been taking it easy on him. Um, if he was out here on tour with me, I would definitely be jabbing him, but um, he's trying to, you know, get back to the tour himself, so hopefully he can do that. So, so what's the plan in terms of people? I, I know with COVID, there's a lot of changes here, but uh, your dad is so fired up about the Masters um, who all will be coming with you uh, to Augusta National? Yeah, so that's been – it's kind of been a hard part, you know, having so many restrictions. Um thought they might open it up to a small number of fans. You know, I figured Augusta, you know, out of anyone, they'd had the resources to do that. But um, 
I get to bring my wife. She can come on and watch. And then uh, I get to have a couple coaches since my dad's been accompanying me as my coach to the last few majors. So he'll get that badge. And then uh, my mom's going to come out and help. We're going to bring the two kids. We're flying them out early. I mean, only a month old. Um, it's going to be an early flight, but, uh, you know, I think they'll do well and got a big house rented. Um, was expecting to have everyone, you know, the whole family, Michael, and I'm going to have my youngest or my, my, uh, nephew, Jansen, the previous only boy in our family, he was going to help caddy for me on the par three contest, but, you know, unfortunately that all got canceled and, uh, and so they can't even come, um, which is kind of a bummer, but, uh, you know. It is what it is, so we'll make the best of it. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to make the best of it for sure. Um, when it comes to caddying for the actual event, will it be your regular guy, Brandon, or will you take a local caddy, you think, this year? No, I'll be taking Brandon. Yeah, we got, you know, obviously good chemistry, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, there could be some benefits to having a guy who's been there a, a bunch, but I'm sure we'll both be doing our, our homework and Brandon will be learning from a lot of the caddies and getting all the insider info. And, and it's kind of a reward for both of us, you know, qualifying has, you know, he's been caddying for me for, you know, five plus years. So um, we have that team chemistry and bond that I would, I would never uh, switch it out and take someone I didn't know have to build that back up. Um, I don't think that happens too much anymore. I know back in the day they used to either require a local uh, a local caddy from Augusta or most guys did take a, a different guy, but I don't think that happens much anymore. Well, the, speaking of the older days, uh, Fuzzy Zeller was the first, first or the last first time winner to win the masters in 1979. I mean, no fans or may not be the same tiger roars. What do you think, man? Like, what, are you, <laughs> what are your thoughts? You know, I feel like that could help some of the, the rookies out there. I mean, you obviously have a little more jitters and nerves, um, and without the crowds, I think that, you know, there's a little bit of, it's a little less um, energy. I think you be able to manage yourself a little bit better. So I think it, it probably bodes well for uh, the first timers, you know, I think some of the, you know, Tiger Woods and those kind of people, they, they feed off that, that energy. And uh, I mean, I do too, but I'll be having plenty of, of energy just being in Augusta for the first time. So yeah, we'll see. What are you most looking forward to? I see the smile on your face being the guest for, for, for the first time, but what, what are you really most looking forward to with it? Just getting there. I've never seen the whole, the course and I've just heard so many amazing things about it. I think just walking on that property and, uh, you know, just, just getting there has been such a high goal of mine for so many years. It's, it's going to be uh, awesome just to step on the property. Well, we did talk about this being a different time because of the pandemic. How has it been like at home in the Pacific Northwest for you and your wife, Tani, and, and the kids during this pandemic? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, we've we've had our family close and uh, we've, we've kind of quarantined with them. And, um, you know, the weather's been great. The summers up there are pretty amazing. So we've been there from, you know, March to, you know, now it's October, almost November. Um been a great run of weather you know it's starting to turn a little bit now we we have that place in phoenix and so we're uh we're kind of seeing the 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 temperatures getting to the 80s there in phoenix now and in washington it's starting to get pretty cold and you know the rain's coming so uh start missing phoenix a little more this time of year but um 
you know, we have great family support and friends up there and uh, it's been, it's been good. I mean, there's so many great courses in, in Washington. We've been able to practice and play at that. Uh, it's been, uh, we've been glad we've been up there. How rewarding is it, Andrew, to have two now? You've got Paxley, your second, Pepper, your, your eldest, your daughter. What yeah. is that like as a father? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, we, uh, we ended up waiting to find out what we were having the second pregnancy. So we didn't know going into the birth, whether it was a boy or girl and, and, uh, obviously pretty emotional when the baby comes out and the, the, the doctor announces the boy. Um, we've had five, I think five girls in a row in our family now and just one boy. Uh, so we were, <laughs> I was glad to break the streak and, and, uh, you know, I feel like you always kind of want one of each as a, as a father. You're just kind of wanting to check those boxes off and uh, pretty, pretty excited that that all happened. Well, I'm in the same boat. I've got an older daughter that's three and then the younger son. Um, so it is nice to have uh, the variety for sure. I'm wow. curious about off the course um, for you and your wife, Tani, what are the go-to Netflix shows for you guys or, or just overall TV show? Oh man, go-to shows. I mean, my wife tends to love the cooking channels. She kind of sticks on that. I mean, we, we watch a show called Impractical Jokers, which which we think is pretty funny. Um, Netflix shows, you know? Or Amazon Prime, you know? Depends on what you your services. To be honest, we don't... Man, besides watching some sports on TV, we don't we don't watch a whole lot of, uh, of TV. I mean, I would say... You know, some of the typical ones like Suits was one of our favorites uh, watching that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to know. I've, I feel like I've watched every single Netflix show possible being on the road. kind of kind of browse through them all. We like some of like the um, the uh, the animal shows like Life and uh, the David Attenborough. He's such a great narrator for Planet Earth and stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, I love I love uh, Avengers and any of those comics, the DC comics, and all that stuff. So I I uh, I watch a lot of that. But my wife actually isn't really a big TV person, so I get most of my watching when I'm on the road. When we're home, it's we, we haven't watched a lot of TV. So it's transitioned a little bit into kids shows now. So we're <laughs> our we didn't really let our daughter watch too much, but now she's watching occasional you know, finding Nemo or just some random kids shows. So we're kind of transitioning to the cartoon as I'm sure you know. Yes. The, the go-to all the Disney <laughs> classics, Cinderella, you name it. I mean, mm-hmm. beauty and the beast. Um, but Hey, favorite non-sports moment. I want to ask you about, I know you're a diehard Seattle Seahawks fan. I've seen your brother, Michael wear Seattle Seahawks stuff like decked out when he was at the Phoenix open in the past. What's the f- couple favorite non-sports, uh, I should say, non-golf sports moments that you've been a part of or been able to see in person? And in person, I, I've only been to a couple Seahawks games, but I've watched pretty much all of them on TV. I mean, obviously, we had a good run there in Seattle watching uh, them win the Super Bowl um, a couple times. So, I mean, those are hard to beat for me. To be honest, we've had a dry, a pretty dry spell with Seattle sports, with you know, baseball and <laughs> everything else. Um, so that those are kind of the two highlights for me. Um, I remember back when you know, 2000 was it 2001 when the Seattle Mariners had their 100 and what 16, 18 game 
wins. Um, so that was obviously a special, special moment watching that. But besides football, you know, Seattle sports have, have been, been tough to watch, especially baseball. But uh, I would say a couple Super Bowls. I was, I was definitely a fan of those watching that. Michael, my, my dad ended up going to uh, the one where we lost uh, in Arizona. I think that was probably one of their, their hardest ones. They invited, I think they, they asked me if I wanted to go because we were playing in the Phoenix Open at that, that same weekend. I'm glad I, I, I didn't go to that one because that looked like a brutal ending uh, when we, you know, the interception and, and the loss. But uh, yeah, a couple Super Bowl wins are the high, high on my list. That must have been the same week I saw your older brother with all the Seattle hat and decked yeah. out, coming out of his car, just so much like, big ear-to-ear grin on his face, you know, before, of course, uh, the heartbreak that would eventually happen. What about yeah, favorite I wore, athlete? I think, he wore the, I think he wore the jersey when he was going uh, through 16 playing that all that week. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. What about your favorite athlete to watch on TV? Right now it's Russell Wilson. I mean, that guy is just such a stud, you know, he's, He's been playing such great football and uh, the way he kind of holds himself and, and conducts himself mentally and spiritually and, you know, has such high integrity. I think he's a, he's a hard guy to beat, you know, in terms of being a fan for, especially since he's a Seattle guy. Had a tough game last week, but um, he's the type of guy that always bounces back. And, you know, his work ethic is, is so good. I mean, I played with a guy in a pro-am a couple weeks ago and his, he, he was a college football player and his buddy, one of his best friends is now the, the quarterback's coach at Seattle. And so I was just, you know, talking to him a little bit about what he says about Russell. And he's like, dude, I, <clears throat> I don't know how he does, how he has the same amount of time in a day as we do, because he gets so much done, you know? And I swear when I'm, when I'm following him on Instagram or Twitter, you know, whatever, it looks like this guy does, you know, three times more than I do each day. It's just like, man, he is uh, he's an exceptional athlete in person, so fun guy to, to root for. Well, and he's got like this podcast through ESPN where he's interviewing all these famous athletes and actors and Yeah, Danger Talk. I, I listened to it the other week. I'm like, man, this guy does how does he have time for this? I mean, it's crazy. Fly out he lives in San Diego sometimes, Mexico. I was like is there a double somewhere that we're missing? I don't know. I don't know how it gets so much out of his life. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, Hey, just wanted to wrap up with a little bit of advice for you, for us amateur golfers. Um, when we get to the practice range, we get warmed up for our rounds. Well, we get say we get 20 minutes. If we're lucky, we're coming from work. What should we really focus on in those 20 minutes? Well, if you're coming from work, that means you've probably been sitting in a chair for a while. So I think just a good, a good warm up. Um, I mean, there's so many good resources now on YouTube, just YouTube golf warm up, just kind of get the body moving. Um, specific little exercises you can kind of do with a golf club to get everything firing, you know, to get the those muscles that are atrophying when you're sitting in a chair like this <laughs> firing. So, I mean, that's, that's a key. That's important, especially to avoid injuring yourself um, when you're swinging. Um, I think the, the basics are just, you know, alignment and posture you know easiest way to get an athletic posture is to what I was taught when I was younger is to kind of stand up straight and then jump up and when you land is kind of how an athletic posture would look like right just jump and land and it's like 
you're kind of ready to move like you're if you're trying to guard someone basketball so good posture and uh good alignment i think is the key well and that gets us kind of in a good foundation when it comes to like the number of shots we should hit on the range or kind of our focus as we as we start chipping and get ready for for that part of the game what would be kind of your advice there Honestly, I feel like a lot of a lot of amateurs they take too much from their their warm up. Like they they'll determine how good or bad their day is going to go based upon how they're hitting it on the range. And something that I learned was, especially as a professional, is like a warm up is exactly what it is. It's a warm up, just warming your body up. And so I think just accepting that you're going to hit a lot of bad shots when you're warming up, like your body's not ready. And uh, the whole goal is just to is to get the blood flowing and, and everything moving well. And then, um, I mean, the way that I would, I always warm up for about like 45 minutes. So I, I go to the putting green. I got a couple of drills. I do this little string line thing that I'm sure people can YouTube that, how to, how to set up a string line. And I hit right to left breaking putts and then left to right breaking putts from about eight, 10 feet. That kind of grooves me in with the, the line and the speed and the break of the, of the course that I'm playing. Um, and then I go hit, you know, 50 balls, 60 balls. I don't hit a whole lot. Just enough to where I'm, I'm feeling warm. And then I chip a couple and then I go to the tee. So it's pretty basic. I mean, um, try not to, to play too much into how your warm up is. And uh, yeah. I know you said basic, but any specific like um, routines that you use when you're hitting balls? Like obviously it's not the string thing that you're doing with putting, but anything that you go to with that? Yeah, I'll put an alignment stick down every once in a while just to make sure that I'm I'm lined up right. Um, outside of that, honestly, I'm I'm just kind of I'm hitting my wedges, my irons, my my tee shots, and I literally am just I, I'm not as uh, I guess structured structured as some guys are going through their drills and they're doing all their stuff. I'm just literally just warming up, trying to have no thoughts, and uh, yeah, just get ready for the day. I mean. Um, I think alignment is, is probably a key, but um, outside of that, I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of depends on what the person's working on or what, what, what they have going on their swing. But I, I hopefully when I'm, uh, when I'm warming up for a tournament and not working on too many things, or that's probably a bad sign. <laughs> hmm. So keep, keep your mind clear. And like, so as you get to the first tee, you're, you're, you're just in the right mental. Yeah. Maybe have one, one swing thought for the day. Kind of think about that. Um, outside that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to, I would save working on the swing till after the, the round. When you're playing, you're just trying to shoot the best number you can. So the less thoughts, the better. When you go and warm up, you're not trying to like, I know a lot of people do it. They're trying to come up with something that's going to work for that day. If you're in that, if you're in that space already, it's, I mean, it's probably not a great sign, but <laughs> Um, some, I mean, I've been there where I'm trying to just find one thought that might work for the day, but that's typically when I'm struggling and not playing my best. So try to keep the working on the swing till after the round. As we get into these wetter conditions, we get into winter and you, you're from the Pacific Northwest. So you've got a lot of wet lies on some of these courses. Yeah. Very easy to chunk our chips, you know, whether it's short chip, long chip, it's very easy to chunk it or even an iron shot. What is a good tip to deal with that? Yeah, I'd say on um, on firmer lies, I think it's easier. You kind of get away with bad technique. Um, you can kind of 
um, bounce into the ball a little bit more, I'd say. But uh, yeah, when it gets wet, your margin of error really shrinks. And so I think one key that people miss in chipping is tempo. Um, you know, people will tend to take it back really quickly and decelerate when they're going down. And that leads to a lot of bad things, you know. It's okay to do that if you're, if you're in the rough and you're trying to hit a really high shot. But if you're trying to just hit your basic chip, if, uh, if you're decelerating into it, that's typically going to lead to a chunk or, or a blade or bad contact because you're changing the angle of the shaft going down into impact. And vice versa, if you're really slow going back and quick going through, it's the exact same thing. So something that I found really helpful is to try to, try to keep that speed very constant going back and through on your, on your chipping that allows the, the head to work in the right, the right way. Um, and a lot of amateurs tend to either be too slow going back and then rushing it through and that, or they go really too fast and then they really slow into it. Um, so, so I would say just working on your tempo with your chipping, keeping it really constant. And sometimes that means taking a little bit further backswing to be able to keep that tempo pretty smooth. Um, a lot of times people get really short and they get jabby or, or uh, they get too long and they desell, like I said. So I think that's the key with, with it getting really wet. Well, Andrew, it's been a blast hanging out with you, talking a little masters, talking a little uh, advice on the, uh, on the course. Um, good luck out there at Augusta, man. Yeah, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm excited. Hopefully I can uh, play some good golf and give some people something to cheer for up in the Northwest. All right, that's some time with Andrew Putnam. Of course, what a Masters he has to look forward to here. Amen Corner, of course, that's the place that he's really looking forward to the most. All right. All right, good stuff there with Andrew Putnam, PGA Tour winner at the Barracuda Championship a couple years back in Reno is where he got that win. But in his first Masters, a lot to look forward to. Of course, he's looking forward to Amen Corner specifically to check out in person. And it's crazy. Think about the schedule. He's been so busy, he hasn't even had a chance to play Augusta National. And this is wild that you're going to go play your first Masters, but that's just how it goes. you got a young family at home. We're in a pandemic. Travel's a little trickier, and it just hasn't worked out for him to go out there on a scouting event. Heck, I remember talking to Matthew Wolf. He was planning at, during the week of Bay Hill in March. He was going to go the next week, and that got canceled. So we'll be interested to see how other players, other first-time rookie players at the Masters, like Wolf, um, are dealing with this as well. So anyway, looking forward to it. Should be a fun Masters. And again, you can follow me on Twitter at Johnston Garrett. And then Beyond Clubhouse at Beyond Clubhouse on Facebook as well, Garrett Johnston, and Beyond the Clubhouse on Facebook, Instagram at Garrett Johnston Golf. A lot to look forward to. I'm pretty pumped about this Masters. I know you guys are too. Uh, keep it right here. We got all kinds of good episodes coming up with some big names related to the Masters here as we get into Masters Week. <laughs>